Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, Kitchen Chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, here on webtalkradio.net. And I am so delighted that you are here today, virtually in my kitchen. We have an amazing guest, and I, I just am, am so humbled and in awe that... Um, that she is here in our kitchen. Um, Amanda Hesser, who needs no introduction by any means, Gourmet named her one of the most 50 most influential women in the food uh, industry today. And, and here she is on Kitchen Chat. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is just so great to have you here. And um, I, I just, first of all, wanted to welcome you to the kitchen. And I cannot wait to hear about the exciting, exciting things you are involved in. Uh, first of all, a, a quick look at your your past. I mean, you are a highly acclaimed food editor, uh, culinary columnist, author, and your latest hat is that of entrepreneur. Um, I, I don't know how you <laughs> do it or have done it. What was it? Um, 750 articles with New York Times, and um, uh, and you created the a couple of columns was it food diary and um, recipe is it how do you say it? redux redux, redux. yes yeah, so I was about to say reduce but yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then several books I I loved the one what was it the chocolate uh, latte of, oh um, cooking for Mr Latte cooking for Mr Latte well you can see my mind is always on chocolate <laughs> so. <laughs> And uh, Cook in the Gardener and the award-winning Essential New York Times Cookbook. That, oh, gosh, that was just incredible as well. And your latest, of course, is uh, Food 52, a wonderful entrepreneurial project you have created. Um, is it with Meryl? Is that her name? Yes, Meryl Stubbs. Yes, yeah. yes. how fun. Dynamic duo of, of the culinary world. And um, so I can't wait to talk about all the exciting things going on with that uh, community. But first of all, if we can just take a quick peek into your past and a peek into your kitchen. <laughs> um, first of all, with the past, you know, as I said, you wrote 750 750 articles. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I can't imagine all the the topics. And, and looking at that, what was the favorite food? What was your favorite food diary um, column, or did you have oh. a favorite? Well, the food diary. I mean, there were only about 25 of those. Um, but um, you know, I. The, the thing that was fun about writing Food Diary was that it was a chance to write about the intersection of kind of food and emotion and relationships and how food intertwines in your um, into our 
everyday lives, which is something that I didn't actually get to write very much about when I was as a reporter. And so that was one of the reasons why um, I started that column was to um, sort of just get at how, um, you know, food is just this kind of vital part of our um, our everyday life and our relationships and um, our emotional state and our memories. And, um, and so, you know, I was just starting to date um, my now husband and um, he was not very much of what you would call, might call a foodie. And, uh, you know, of course food was really such a huge part of my life and professional life. And so I thought that that, that um, conflict would be kind of worth exploring in a column and be something that others could relate to. Yes, and and it's so interesting how that has kind of carried on into the future with Food 52. But but before we kind of jump into the present, just want to linger in the past a little bit. And and you have touched upon a very important very important point and that's about the food association. I mean like Marcel was it Proust Proust and uh, and when he he took a bite of the Madeleine and in France and associated the taste of that little cookie with with uh, his childhood. There really is a, a connection um, with food and and our life and um, and and you have truly just captured that so well in in every single endeavor. And uh, one interesting thing too that I looked at in, in your quick bio online is that. You designed a 17th century style herb garden at a French chateau. Oh my heavens! Tell us about that. <laughs> so I, at, at the time, I was working for a woman named Anne Willen, who is the founder of Lavarin, uh, de Cuisine Lavarin, which is a leading cooking school in France mm-hmm. um, in the 1970s and 80s and into the 1990s. And she also has written more than 30 cookbooks and has been actually quite an influential figure in the food world, even. Um, even though she's not like maybe a household name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked for her and she lived in the 17th century chateau and I was writing a book. Um, actually, my first book is based on her gardener. It's called The Cook and the Gardener. Oh. And while I was there, um, you know, one of the things that the gardener was not actually that interested in was herbs. And um, Anne and um, her husband, Mark, wanted an herb garden. And so I, and they also, um, you know, obviously they lived on this historical property mm. and they had um, one of the um, best libraries, um, personal libraries, um, of, um, gardening and cookbooks. And so I just felt like it was a perfect opportunity to kind of dig in and, um, read a lot about, um, how old, um, gardens were formally designed and also to travel around, um, in, uh, in France to look at some of the old chateau herb gardens, which you can, um, are essentially tourist attractions. And so yes. I had like dug in and did that and I pro- made a proposal for them. And then, uh, they, you know, I worked with their gardener, um, to build this, this garden that had a brick pathway that was kind of shaped like a, a bow tie, uh, which ah. was kind of a classic, um, shape. And, um, and then, um, we planted, I think, you know, almost, um, I would say 50 to a hundred varieties of herbs. And wow. it was just a really, um, fantastic experience. And also as a cook, um, really gratifying to, um, be able to, uh, work with all of these very, um, old, um, strains of herbs and, um, and cr- create a place that was essentially like a, a little bit of a, a wonderland for a cook to uh, browse, you know, when we were red, when we were cooking dinner. 
Oh, that just, oh, I can imagine just the overwhelming fragrance of, of creating an herb garden. What, you know, what Yeah, and well, and we were in a very lucky place because we were in Burgundy, so, oh. um, which is kind of the middle of France, and the climate is perfect so that we could grow everything from, you know, lemongrass to such, to much hardier, um, herbs like thyme and rosemary. Well, so over the centuries, do you think the herb gardens or the herbs have have really changed in terms of the uses and and the types the types of herbs? Have you noticed? Well, there are a lot of herbs that um, you know you don't that you see that you don't see anymore, like you know things like rue. Um, huh. But um, oh, but, I wonder is that where like your rue the day comes yeah, from? Exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It must be a really bitter herb. <laughs> what, what is that like? It's extremely fragrant, actually. Um, huh. it's the kind of thing that if you just wave your hand over it, you will get a fairly intense um, aroma. And you know, there were a lot of herbs in you know old um, centuries-old herb gardens where that were not not were actually primarily not for consumption, but were actually for well, they were for a different kind of consumption. They were for medicinal purposes, so that you would. Um, you know, you might boil them in a syrup or you might, drink, you know, boil them and drink the liquid or you know, they were they were really meant um, for um, health to be consumed for health reasons as opposed to um, making your food taste better. Hmm. Oh, what an incredible experience. And, and do you have your own herb garden there um, in Brooklyn? I do, actually, but I, oh. it's barely it. I um it's it's a uh, a suggestion of an herb garden, really. Um, it, I have a, a couple of I have four or five boxes and planters um, on a deck, and uh, you know I grow, you know I do things like um, I grow Thai basil and I grow le- uh, verbena and lemon balm and a few unusual things, but um, and I love it, but it's um, not nearly um, what we had in Burgundy. Oh well, still it just sounds incredible, and and you'd mentioned something what. Is Thai basil? I've not heard of that. It's just a variety of basil. It has a, a much narrower um, leaf, and I would say a kind of stronger um, uh, minty flavor. Ah, okay. And do you use it mainly in um, Asian dishes, or you could use it really in anything um, that you use basil for? So, if you wanted to put it into a tomato sauce, or if you wanted to put it on um, a sandwich, or if you wanted to make a pesto with it, you could certainly um, use it. Its um, its leaf is stronger um, and firmer than uh, Italian basil, which is much more delicate and can be easily bruised. Ah, okay. I didn't realize herbs can bruise. And, yeah. and and so when you say bruise, I mean, what what exactly does that mean when an herb well, bruises? Well, that's like when you, you know, if you've ever, um, like, uh, pinched a leaf of basil, that the, the area where you pinch will sort of turn darker green and then it'll start rotting. Oh. So that's why they say, like, you know, um, technically, well, like when you're making pesto, you are essentially, you're bruising and pounding the leaves to, to push out the the flavor, right? Yes, yes, um, that's and, true. Um, but you know, if you don't have a sharp knife and you're chopping basil, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of just it kind of mashes rather than chops, that's essentially bruising, okay. bruising it. 
Great. Well, thank you for helping me understand that little technical term there. And speaking of herb gardens, I was so impressed. We're now going to take a quick peek into your kitchen, and I am just so thrilled. I I, I love your food52.com website, and I can't wait to talk about that. But a quick little peek into your kitchen, you had this delightful video. It's a video tour of your kitchen, and I just love it. And you have basically kind of an herb garden, more or less, in one of your drawers with these incredible collections of of the um, spices. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, when you write about food, um, especially when you're like a, a reporter like I was, you know, you end up, um, and I also wrote a lot of like cooking columns. Um, so you're constantly trying new spices or trying new things, new dishes, which require new spices. And so you end up amassing like a huge variety of uh, spices that maybe the average cook wouldn't and, but, and you need to store them. And so I, I've actually, it's been kind of an ongoing challenge to figure out how to do it. And I think I finally sort of landed on the way, which is I have two very deep drawers, um, one on top of the other. And um, I put all of the spices into these um, small tins that have clear lids. So that, and on those clear lids, I, I hand write with um, a dry erase marker the name of the spice. Uh-huh. Um, so that when I just open the drawer, and then I arrange, you know, they are arranged alphabetically. And the idea is that when you open the drawer, you can instantly see what you have. Right. Because um, I have, you know, a couple hundred. Wow, a cup. Oh, and and how can you tell when an herb expires? I mean, do they have an expiration date, or if stored properly, they're kind of like cigars in a humidor? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, yes. I mean, storage, proper storage, is definitely important. So, um, you know, one that's one of the reasons I keep them in tins um, uh-huh. and in a drawer is helpful. Um, and away, actually, away from your hot kitchen is also another key. The okay. detail because you don't want the herbs to be hot you know you want them basically in a cool dark place like most most foods that you want to store that's the best condition for them okay. um and um and in general like the chefs say that you know, and also spice experts will say that you know you wouldn't want to keep a, a ground spice for more than a year if you have whole spices you can keep them a little bit longer and then of mm-hmm. course you want to toast them be- in a hot pan before you um um, either mortar and pestle them or grind them in a spice grinder. But, um, you know, yes, it is a good idea to actually date your spices. I don't do it because I go through so, you know, so many spices <laughs> uh, very quickly, um, which is, you know, I, I, I understand that that's not what the average cook um, uh, experiences. But so if you are a home cook, I think it's a really good idea to just put a, a, a date on it. And that way you don't, I mean, I, I laugh, every, you know, when I, I can remember visiting my mother and she had, you know, this, um, it was like granulated garlic or something that mm. it was in the same, I mean, it was the same jar that I had grown up with 20 years ago. <laughs> um, it actually still smelled okay, which was a little scary, but, um, you know. Oh, maybe that's why garlic keeps the vampires away, right? Yeah. <laughs> with the, oh, yeah, that's fun. And, and I, one day I'd love to hear about the stories associated with different spices, but, but what is your um, favorite spice that you use? I actually really like nutmeg, but grated like fresh grated. Uh, like so, I buy the whole nutmegs and then I grate them. And I don't use them just for um, sweet mm-hmm. things like you know cakes and cookies. I actually use nutmeg on pasta and um, sometimes um, you know with potatoes. And I just think it has like a nice um, fragrance. And I think when you freshly grate it, it's very um, intoxicating. Yes. And what is a spice you have not yet uh, tried but would like to to try in a dish? 
I don't think I can think of one. I feel like I've had um, most of the ones I've ever heard of. Oh, that is that is great. You have had a tour of spices. Yeah. <laughs> that is terrific. Well, good. And, and, and just to kind of tie this and segue into Food 52, what an incredible community of home cooks that you have, have built through this online community, food52.com, which I understand and congratulations is a winner of the James Beard Foundation Publication of the Year. That's yeah. fabulous. Fabulous, yes. And and what is the basic concept with Food 52? And um, if you just share a little bit with our Kitchen Chat listeners, that would be terrific. Uh, well, essentially, you know, Meryl, my friend Meryl and I wanted to um, bring together people who love food and connect them to each other and also, you know, great, create great content together, you know, so great create great recipes, share information, help each other out in the kitchen. We wanted to create a food site that we wanted to hang out at. (laughs) And we felt like if you looked online, you know, at the time that we started Food 52, there were a lot of really huge and and incredibly successful recipe sites. And then there were a ton of blogs. And many of those blogs were wonderful, but they all kind of lived in um, separately. And they also were created people who had the sort of right circumstances in their life to to create them. So meaning they, you know, were great cooks or photographer and or photographers and they had enough extra time that they could, you know, put the work into a, a food blog which is significant. Right. And um and we felt like you know just the fact that there were this many blogs was, you know, great evidence that the food movement was taking hold. In fact, people had gone from, you know, uh, consuming food media to actually wanting to create their own right. and wanting to be no, being acknowledged for their their talents and their creativity. We, th- we were making a bet that if there were this many people who were um, out there who were talented and had all the right things, uh, all the right circumstances in their life to create a blog, then think of all the many more people who would just love food and people like you who, like you might not cook that much, but you really love food. You know a lot about it and you want to um, share your joy um, of food with other people. Yeah. And um, so we wanted to create a place that um, wasn't just you know, where we were broadcasting, you know, recipes and, and articles and things, but actually that we, we essentially created a framework that w- that people could contribute to. So when we started, we had no recipes and, no. and our community has added more than 17,000 recipes since we launched. And then our, 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 the way we do our, um, our recipe creation is through contests. And so those contests in the process of the contest, the recipes get tested and vetted group of recipes that have the community has together decided are should be highlighted and mm-hmm. then um and and those are the ones that come up higher in search so the idea is the community creates the content vets the content and then that creates a site that is stronger and better because when you are if you just happen upon food 52 and you're looking for a recipe yeah. the first thing we'll show you are the recipes that have been um, fully vetted and styled and um, and have basically gotten the stamp of approval of not only our team but uh, the community um, at large and and that's just incredible to have uh, you know access to 17,000 recipes I mean, it's basically an online recipe box that that, that readers and listeners can refer to. Yeah. And and I love the, the way you've organized it, too, where basically you've just recently come out with your first cookbook, Food 52, where you 
what is it, you created a cookbook within 52 weeks? Is that? Yes. That's wow. We decided to use the cookbook as a way to kind of build the content on the site and build, help build the community and sort of see if there was, if what our idea actually had um, validity and, and could, you know, gain traction. And so we used our 52 weeks of recipe contest to um, create our first cookbook. And we actually have a second one coming out this fall. Oh, We've also done great. an iPad app. Where a recipe, it's a holiday recipe and survival guide, and we <laughs> sourced and created that with our community. Um, and we do lots of other things now too. Like we have a, um, a Q and A part of our site called Hotline. Yes, and I wanted to talk to the Hotline because I think I'm going to be an avid user of that. <laughs> it's just great because I, I, I mean, how many of us out there? I mean, are just like in the middle of the recipe, and it's like, wait, what do you do with this? Oh my goodness! And you know, guests are coming. And, and you're just trying to, to figure out. I, in fact, I loved one of the um, <laughs> the questions on the hotline as, as a little example. What to do with head-on bay shrimp? Can I fry and eat them whole? And and then the response from you know fellow home cooks coming to the guy's rescue <laughs> in yeah. terms of what to do. That's the that's the whole goal is that you know we built this community of really knowledgeable food people, and they love helping each other out and they and are very generous with their um, time and so you know if if we could create this resource for you know cooks and um, all over the country you know a place where they can ask all their questions and get real time responses and um, and and you know help each other and also not just get responses but have those responses vetted by the community so that the best ones um, are highlighted so you know which ones to trust and who yes. you know which cooks on the site to whose answers you know um, who, which which of those people are reputable and um, the idea is to um, kind of create this ongoing kind of um, resource but also that's very filtered yes and and it's so much fun I love the double entendre because I, I so appreciate your background and economics and, and finance I'm a former Wall Street banker myself, and so when when I noticed the pie chart <laughs> that you were using, that is so cute in terms of <laughs> filling the pie, you know. <laughs> and if you could um, share with the listeners, kind of what to what this pie chart quote pie chart means, and and um, how they can benefit from it. Right. So um, next to every community member's name is a, is a pie, and some people have more pie, and and some people have less pie. And those with more, that means that they, um, you know, have have gained more reputation on the site, and that might mean that they have participated a lot, that their participation has been. Um, you know, rewarded with people like voting on their recipes or voting on their answers or, um, or that they, um, have won recipe contests or that they, um, you know, essentially that it's a way of, um, recognizing those who have been positive, um, community members and that who you, you can rely on. Yeah, and kind of similar to what is it like on eBay or um, oh, where you know who all has sold is a reputable vendor <laughs> type of um, uh, I guess strategy. Where this is, you know, they're a reputable and experienced uh, contributor, participant, and uh, and food fellow foodie. That that is just so great, and it, there are just so many ways too to interact uh, as a community uh, on your your website. And, and it's just so exciting to see, too. And, and I love your latest invitation that's out there in terms of uh, you're trying to get a collection of kitchen videos. 
Uh-huh. Which which is great. So you're inviting people to submit um just a video tour of their kitchen? Yes, we have done that. Um and um yeah, we just the idea is to kind of continually like um invite people to participate in lots of different um parts of um you know the way they uh, interact with food, whether it's, you know, in designing their kitchen in a certain way or arranging in a certain way or, um, you know, what, where they like to shop, what kind of ingredients they like to buy, you know, just there's, there's just a ton of information that we feel like is interesting to share and, um, and is a way for us to help us um, over time to figure out um, how to connect like-minded people on the site in a more specific way. Because right now, people come together and kind of find each other, but over time, we really want to be introducing people to others that they, we think will, will, they'll be interested in based on activity on the site. Exactly. And you bring some wonderful resources in for that as well with, with different um, chefs and uh, just a great resource with that and, and um, online tools. There, there are just a variety of, of items you can purchase too that, that have been kind yes. of tested by. Yes, I just think that is so helpful uh, no matter if you're a novice or, or you know, well experienced in, in the kitchen. Um, I just think Everyone can can gather some great tips from food52.com, and I'm so glad you have set this up. And, and it's true, don't you think, that we all end up gathering in the kitchen, and I just think that's so meaningful, that, that that's the gathering place, basically, for is. everyone. Yes, and, and I just, you know, I, I think the kitchen is the heart of the world, as I always say, and, and food is its universal language, and I'm, I'm just so thrilled that, that you're bringing so many great interactive resources and tools um, that a, a home cook at any level, whatever level, can, can, can enjoy, and um, I know several chefs that invite this as well. Our mutual friend, Chef, Chef James, the uh, several, what is it, two-time winner of Chopped. He's just delightful. <laughs> he and Brooke. He's also, been a winner on, he's also been a winner on Food 52. Oh, wow. Well, a big shout-out <laughs> to James. Oh, he's delightful. And then um, dear Katie Workman. She is oh. delightful. And I know, yes, she was on Kitchen Chat, um, um, goodness, a few weeks ago. And I actually had a the delightful opportunity to meet her. She came to do a charity event here in Chicago, and um, just delightful. And I saw that you had uh, endorsed her wonderful uh, book, cookbook um, about um, you know the cookbook for moms, and um, that's yeah. So that's really neat how that ties in. And and she says a big hello. And in fact, she had a question for me to ask you too. She was saying, "What's the weirdest?" and most consistent thing you have forgotten to pack while on a book tour? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Katie to, to ask that. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like my answer is boring because I, I actually am I'm a pretty good packer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised after if anything, I, I, If anything, I bring too much stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think I've mastered, though, getting uh, everything into uh, carry-on. 
Oh, now that's amazing. That that is a great accomplishment. It's always hard to set it. I know you. I mean, you should write a, a book on a, like how to organize. I am so impressed. I mean, everyone, you've got to check out this video, and I'm going to to definitely get a link on Kitchen Chat where you provide this tour of your kitchen, and it's just beautiful. And and then I love how you describe your desk as looking like blue cheese. <laughs> I love that description. So even your work area has the food association. It's, it's just great. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to play that back because it's like, oh, okay, now, which cookbooks are on her shelf? You know, I was trying to stop the video to, to see that. What, what is the um, cookbook that you tend to, to pull? Well, I'm sure you have so many of the things memorized, but, but which one is your, your always a go-to go-to cookbook for you through the years? I don't really have just one. I mean, I have a lot of books that I, I turn to, but um, I, mean, I really like made a heater's baking books when I'm not sure like what I want to make. I, I like to browse through them just for inspiration. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like, um, you know, Bistro Cooking is a cookbook that I, I always find kind of comforting to page through. Mm-hmm. Patricia yeah. Wells, yeah. Yes, and I met Patricia. She was in Chicago. How delightful. She and Walter. Oh, my goodness. And she was here to talk about her salad um, book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I really liked her vegetables book. I think that's a great one. Yes. Oh, that's great to hear. Who has been um, the chef? Let's, let's put it this way. Who has been the female chef that has most inspired you? Well, I, I would say um, Suzanne Gullen, um, and it's a lot of, I mean, well, I think she's a wonderful chef, but I also, like, happened to work in the restaurant that she worked at in college, um, and so she was a line cook back then, and, you know, this was before she, you know, made a name for herself, and she was just a very um, great person to work with, and also was clearly a great talent even then, and was that was clearly recognized in the in the kitchen, and um, I've, it, you know, it's been enjoyed following her career and, you know, learning things from her over the years. I and mean, I, I wrote a series with her when I was working at the New York times. And, um, you know, so I sort of feel like she's somebody who I kind of keep a, um, you know, a, a connection to throughout my, my own career. Oh, that's great. And it's exciting to see, are you, to see maybe more of an influx with, um, female chefs like here in Chicago with the girl and the goat, Stephanie, um, is it, is our, is her, um, uh-huh. it just has been amazing. Do you see any other up and coming, um, female chefs we should be, um, yeah, thinking about? I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know where to begin exactly, but yes, I do think that that has, um, um, it's, it's starting to happen and I think it's, it's wonderful. Yes, definitely. And of course, we cannot um, talk about female chefs without mentioning Julia Child. Did you ever get a chance to meet her, Amanda? I did. Um, did. Yeah. She um, she came to La Varenne when I was there. She was a friend of Ann Willens, and so um, she would she came more than once and you know, spent a couple, uh, a bit of time there, which was fun. Um, yeah. So I just I mean I didn't know her um, well at all, but I just you know was able was lucky to kind of cross paths with her a few times. Oh, that's so neat. And then it's how how fitting that you were actually on the, the movie and the movie Julie and Julia playing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a lot of fun. And it was. It was really great. 
Yeah, Julia Child has just touched so many lives, and and she's encouraging to me too. Because as you know, we all know I am the world's worst cook. Yet, <laughs> yet she had you know the gumption to learn how to cook you know, at, at her age, and here I have just reached the mid-century mark at age fifty, and and um, am just starting on my own culinary um, journey and, and discovery of of my taste and and food and everything. And and it's so neat. Um, Patricia was sharing. With me during the interview, that that she and Julia were actually quite close. They both had places in Provence, and and uh, Julia would dine over at her place, and and that she ended up with um, Julia's little oven. Uh, bread oven, I think it is. So, and she still has that. So, it, so it's just so amazing to see through the generations, you know, of different women that that Julia's little. Um, imprint remains remains in our hearts and in our kitchens so and i and i'm sure she would be thrilled with food 52 because you have really connected and empowered your community of home cooks and and i encourage everyone to to really visit and get active and and participating in 52 and on the great um cooking contest too that and do you have any cooking contests coming up that the listeners should know about or well, our current one, which um, they um, will be able to vote in soon, is um, your best radishes or turnips recipe. And so we have 92 entries, and um, we will be, um, I think, be putting up the finalists next week or the week after. So, um, yeah, that would be – and so you can vote on their favorite, and, um, and um, we'd love anyone and everyone's participation. Oh, that is exciting. And listeners, I'll make sure we get that link out. And meanwhile, Amanda, this has just been just so delightful to at last speak with uh, one of the icons of the culinary world. And and uh, as Gourmet named you one of the 50 most influential women in, in food. And, and I'm just so delighted that you took the time to, to visit my kitchen on, on Kitchen <laughs> Chat. And I've learned so much. And I think I will be an avid participant of uh, writing into that hotline. So thank oh, great. you. Oh, great. Excellent. That available. So, okay, thank, uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And remember, everyone, take the time and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pearl Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you. So join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.